welcome to the Cooperhorn Games Podcast. My name is Dustin Morbido. We have a very special episode this every other week. <laughs> Fortnite, I, is that I, two who weeks? Who knows anymore? <laughs> Bi-weekly. We do this every two weeks. We're uh, going to talk to y'all about saying no to drugs. <laughs> uh, joining me as usual, Lorraine Morbido is here. It's true. I live here. Hello. Um, and then for the first time ever, hopefully the first of many, yeah, uh, we have a different game developer <gasps> who's going to come and talk to us about their game and games in general and... The Michigan Game Dev community, I hope, a little Woo. bit. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the folks at home? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Steven Zavala. I'm a founder and president for Life of Flyover Games, <laughs> um, based out of uh, the Detroit area right now. I'm glad you, you said that this was a special episode, so I'm hoping we can find some sort of uh, moral along the way. Um, <laughs> I told you, we're saying no to drugs. This okay. is a no Say, say no to pressure. drugs. Um, yeah, uh, it's, no it's okay to, to be different. Um, you know, it's... yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, how to handle your parents divorcing. We'll find something that <laughs> you can learn about here. There you go. Um, oh. It's okay when your friends like bad video games. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exa- oh, okay. Well, for, uh, not to derail. I'll, I'll oh, go for it. Go for it. Um, first, to introduce myself. Yeah, like I said, uh, my uh, currently uh, one-man dev team is Flyover Games. Uh, the last thing that we put out was Wave Crash. It's, it's been a while. I haven't really updated it or touched it in the back. I might doing some kind of um uh, update for uh for Yumacon, the uh, convention in Detroit yeah. uh, at the end of or this your beginning of November. Yeah, right at the, um right after Halloween. So we'll see if I can work up the um <laughs> initiative to do that. Otherwise uh, I might be doing some game jump stuff and in general I just I've kind of been comfortable in like uh a, a mentorship role more lately. Yeah. Just hanging out on the discords um answering questions uh organizing the uh, indie showcase for yumacon uh, along with uh, brett pennings of uh of um bull cut studios that's one of the yeah that's one of the multiple <laughs> reasons i wanted to have you on because uh i know that we certainly appreciate just anybody taking in the community around here taking charge mm-hmm. and trying to get stuff done in terms of just getting the people together yeah and like in the organizational roles are right, very challenging in the same <laughs> digital room to just like have conversations about what people are working on or the struggles of you know build games or in physical spaces like yumacon like i i still can't wait for that show in a couple months <laughs> because i know that that's uh so I'm, I'm grateful to you guys for organizing it for like getting everybody together and i still uh am really appreciative of the the folks that put that show on for letting us go out there yeah <laughs> and just set up a couple of tables and show off some games like it's just really uh it's really humbling to to have them set aside a little space for us mm-hmm. like uh when they can to to just let people show stuff off with a pretty low barrier to entry like it's pretty much yeah, just definitely. if you can show up under your own power and you know bring your own hardware you can demo a game <laughs> that's been our experience for the last couple of years we've done this yeah, yeah for sure um also i mean gotta give thanks to cora who actually runs the uh the full gaming section so she's able to carve out that little the you know I, i'm saying a little but it actually is a pretty sizable no yeah, um, yeah. it's really it's real really impressive but, um, uh-huh. uh and i guess to do an early plug if anyone listening has a, a game that um they would like to you know get some people uh Again, to some people's hands. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity. Uh, like I said, Yumacon's uh, November third through sixth this year. Um, 
downtown just, Detroit. Uh, downtown Detroit. Uh, Formerly it's a great Kobo. convention. Um, I don't remember <laughs> Kobo. I don't remember what it is now. I think it recently yeah, TCF, whatever. TCF I, something. Yeah. Now, right. I feel like it kind of changed again recently because, like, when we were last there in 2019, it had like a name, and I feel like I've heard it called something slightly different. Mm-hmm. Like it's TCF something different as opposed, and they're just they're, they always say formerly Kobo after it, which I think is really funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's there and at the uh, the rent center. So yes. um, and yeah, it's it's free. So you know if you're selected mm-hmm. and uh, space is limited, but mm-hmm. like still, uh, whoever's interested should definitely try. It is interesting, like the the humbleness of uh, of the Midwest in general. Like when when you say there's limited space people ask for like less like they they like no i couldn't possibly take a full booth i'll give me whatever tiny little i just need like a corner corner of a table like eight inches and a chair and i'm good for the weekend i tell people no take everything you can get because Mm -hmm. people won't just give you attention like you people like that's the one thing i always come back to is my advice is don't be afraid to be loud like people take i mean like oh so you want people to be you know arrogant or whatever and that's kind of the way we, we treat uh we treat you know actual accomplishments in this area is yeah. that like you need to downplay it like we will see someone like catch a touchdown in the super bowl and then they like dance for three seconds and say like, oh too showy it's like no they, they did did an incredible <laughs> thing if you if you're making a game you have to be hyped about it you have to be you know feel like you deserve recognition for it otherwise why would people bother playing you know if if you ever just like act like you're bothering someone by offering them a, a game demo or whatever it's like no you you're giving them the opportunity to play this game you're, sure. yeah if it, you're not excited why should they be excited if you're not interested in what you're doing why should anyone else care well and that, that's why like when I, I pitch um uh wave crash i'd say that yeah it is the hypest uh, <laughs> indie puzzle game around like i don't say like it is just an indie puzzle game because yeah there are other ones of those so i have to be like the most superlative in some aspect of it yeah, you're not wrong. It's very interesting because I even even that last time we did a um a physical meetup, uh, mm. <laughs> Nate Nate was kind of doing the same thing, right? Because he was there talking about uh, because what's what's the game he's working on? Gloomhaven, is that right? Or is it no? That's the is that the board game? I don't remember. Um, Gloomwood. Isn't Gloomwood. It thank you. Um, because yeah. they just yeah, launched Gloom, their Gloom early access like a couple days ago, I think. Oh even. wow! But he was he was really downplaying that. He's like, yeah, I got this job working on this game. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man, be excited. Like, like, don't be shy about it. Like, that's awesome. Good for you. But um, also on the uh, oh, I, I'm on the topic of you know organizing things. Um, uh, Mike Clamorous and I also do our you know our locally sourced group, which um. Right now, it's it's kind of just like a loosely defined like a uh, you know, gaming collective type thing. Um, Mike runs the like organizing uh, an occasional zine that compiles uh, games and articles and stuff, and I sometimes do interviews for it. But that's that's been fun too, just having you know like a uh, just sort of a, a community boosting group there. Um, it, it's kind of like I, I know sometimes you know Mike is a little. Uh, Sometimes a little dissatisfied, like it's growth or whatever, because it's true. We we don't, we don't have so many like resources to promote it, right? Like we don't really have uh, a budget, but it's like uh, for me, it's, it's I think it's fine. It's just a you know, it's an organically growing kind of uh, thing to try to bring together developers and uh, gamers in the area and let people know that yeah, we are out here um, making games in Michigan. It's yeah, you know, yeah, it's really it's awesome. a it's it's a gradual process, but mm-hmm. I think over time it, it's getting there. I mean, yeah, it's like a more like formal rallying banner as opposed to just like, 
oh, here's like a bunch of different like one to two person studios. Like, oh, here's all of us together just hanging out and showing off our stuff and interacting and being just visible in a different space. Yeah, it's really cool. I know we appreciate the shit out of all that work you guys put into that too. So definitely follow, check out Locally Sourced on Twitter and the Discord servers around. Yeah, yeah. because the idea is like you know it's it's kind of it's about making a, a brand like as as much as i like hate the yeah. necessity of having to <laughs> cultivate brands like it does help if people you know recognize um your iconography recognize where you're coming from uh and uh seek out games based on that brand and you think about like um the juggernaut that developer digital's become yeah right. people will see that label and they know like okay i want to check this out like it's i think if we can get that level where it's like no it says the locally source seal approved thing and <laughs> right people think like okay well then yeah i guess this is deserving of my ten dollars now that i know that locally sourced uh says it's good yeah for sure definitely. absolutely yeah definitely uh come hang out with us in the locally sourced uh <laughs> like i said discord and stuff you're interested in that uh is the best way to submit to yumicon just because you guys had a google sheet up right like for signups. Oh yeah, we do have a I'll, form. I'll put that. Yeah. Uh, if if that link is the best way to submit a thing, if you're interested, I'll just put that in the show notes. Yeah, so, that so that still be the best way. Um, okay. We don't really have like a hard uh, cutoff yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna create a cutoff for like I, I want to get together more of a um, a formal kind of like you know program uh, flyer thing to hand out at the gotcha. convention. So that then there'll probably be a cutoff there of about. Um, a month before the actual show. But, okay, uh, sounds good. And this uh, this should be going live this coming Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So two days from the day we're recording this, this will be up. So oh, good. if, if okay. people have to listen yeah. to it, they'll have plenty of time. Yeah, to, they'll, they'll be <laughs> to time. check it out within that period. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, awesome. and it's also it's. I mean, not to keep coming back to the same play, but yeah, it's open to you know games in various stages of development. Like basically, if it's far enough along where you're comfortable with receiving um, sometimes harsh feedback from strangers, uh, <laughs> then it's it's good. And I. Personally, I recommend doing that. Like, as soon as your game looks like a game, like as soon as you have uh, at least reasonable placeholder visuals in, even it's just like a proof to... of concept is kind of like if you've got that, yeah. like you could theoretically receive feedback at that stage. Definitely... I, I have seen like it, it can be rough though because you know yeah. uh, con goers don't necessarily know, understand what oh yeah um, you know placeholder <laughs> materials are. So like you if you do have just like a you know uh, the default like a uh, humanoid animating figure people will just fixate on that regardless of like yeah. what else is going on in the game so it, it can be rough and I, I my first um demo for wave crash ever at a public event was at uh the now i'm pretty sure defunct midwest media expo okay back yeah in, like 2015 or 2016 yep um and I had like two main character sprites, so that's cool. But then like it was just plain colored boxes, and mm. uh, also I mean also the setup was great. So I did not get as you know good a feedback as I would have if I had more sure. fleshed out interface and effects and everything. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's an interesting conversation because we had that talk with a bunch of different people at, like coming back back from GDEX this year because uh, mm-hmm. like that was the first time. For us, that was the first time showing a thing that was like finished. Yeah, out in the wild, or like you can, if you chose to do so, you can give us money right now <laughs> and play what we're calling, you know, the gold release of this game. Uh, so that was a new one for us demoing in that situation. But when we were in the um, like the shared table space there, we had people who were all over the place, like you described, of you know, a game that's like pre-alpha all the way up mm-hmm. to stuff that's like you know somewhere in the middle of development. Although- and we've we've definitely shown on all ends of that spectrum in the past at either Yomacon or. Um, 
Also, the now defunct uh, Maker Fair Detroit. <laughs> yeah, um, but my instinct would be generally the same thing that you just suggested. Of like, if you if you have a gameplay loop that you want to try out on people, like just a base level of like, I, this is mostly what the final games are like. I'm going to build up from this, but this mm-hmm. is the core of what I want to ship. Uh, I would start demoing from that point onward because you can just sit there and take notes and watch people interact and yeah, and get the kind of feedback that you won't get. Either like if you happen to be working other people from other developers or from even like other people in like close friend groups and yeah. stuff who might play it with more knowledge about it. Like it is really valuable to get blank slate <laughs> reactions to mm-hmm. your thing. I have found because uh, it is the truest, uh, and t- especially in terms of like basic user interface stuff. Like, oh, for sure. Like understandability and things like that is the truest reaction you can get that is not you know preloaded with whatever they had thought about the thing before you showed it to them. Uh. So yeah, if you're interested in doing a thing like that and you can make it down to Detroit in November, I would definitely sign up, go sign up on, for Yumicon. And, yeah. uh, well, it, it's also interesting, like the, because you know, a lot of times in the process of making a game, a lot of your first um, uh, playtesters besides yourself would be other devs in the community. Yeah. Um, and just the, seeing like the quality of, of like the feedback that other devs would get often comes from like the perspective of, if I were doing it, this is how I would. One hundred percent. And that's not always relevant. That that's some of the most frustrating feedback I've gotten was when I take a game to like a um, more dev focused convention. Yeah. And and folks will spend like sometimes literally just minutes playing the game <laughs> and then like provide feedback on you know balancing or things like or you know aspects of the game that you can't tell at a moment's notice. Like one hundred percent. You're first to trying to play a game. You can. You can find something. You can, yeah. You can judge like um, the amount of visual feedback or the uh, responsiveness and intuitiveness of controls. Those are things you can tell right off. But like things as far as like you know how uh, a character feels versus another, like that. That's the feedback where once I've received that from some players who've like really uh, grounded out on on Wavecraft. I've had um, uh, you know some people in like the Smash community play it like regularly, mm-hmm. and nice. then that's the feedback and that aspect that i trust if it's regarding like character balance or how the game feels to play at like that higher level um yeah that, the, that's the technical gameplay side as opposed to the technical game dev side are two very different coins yeah well at the end of the day it's still just a different t- sort of reaction thing because i've tried to like this is still kind of an ongoing process for us especially since we've been trying to play more of other people's games more often uh-huh. on like live streams and stuff like hopefully this coming saturday we'll get back into that yeah, internet willing. Yeah, it's it's. Or no, I don't want to talk about it. Our internet's been <laughs> shitty again. for the last couple of weeks. But uh, <laughs> calling out who's your provider? Who's on blast? Uh, the Wow is Formally fucking us over wow. right now. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we're coming for you. All right. Oh, we are. We're, we've yeah, got... we're about to, we're about to switch. We're so we'll see if free. it's any better. Huh? <laughs> oh, but anyway. Either way. I've been part of the AT and T family since I, I moved in. That's what we're switching right? to. We're getting, actually. Uh, we're getting some yeah. fiber. Yeah. So I hope it works. Honestly, better. no. No, I gotta say, uh, no real complaints. Like uh, okay. the only outages are when there's actually is a storm that just knocks everyone out. So yeah. besides sure. that, it's yeah. The problems we've been having are like weird. Like like our download it's... speeds will be mostly still fine, and our upstream will just absolutely tank to like half a mm, megabit yeah. per second, and it's just totally useless. <laughs> not, I call them and I say, for streaming, no. yeah, no. I say my internet doesn't work. Can you help me? And then they send somebody out, and it has, oh, they leave, and it my... isn't fixed. So. <laughs> See, I feel like the internet in a lot of ways has been very useful, but also detrimental and I, I feel like i think the world might be a better place if like internet speeds had just been universally capped forever you know like <laughs> if, if we're in a world still of dial-up internet i feel like that's just the right amount of internet it, it goes too fast now 
Uh-huh. You, you can you can receive too much uh, falsified information, and or just like <laughs> even not even sometimes just like too much stuff. Like I, I have spent just, like uh, hours just scrolling TikToks, and then realize right, like, what did it, I do? Imagine if you had to like, do that on fifty six k. Yeah, you'd be like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna have you, to wait, ten mi- bo- yep. wait here for ten minutes and then see two of them, right? <laughs> and then, <laughs> then you get bored, and then you'd it'd be done. That's the right amount. You, you should only be able to get that much streaming content in a day. I that want a it. postage stamp <laughs> sized video feed at like. 12 by 10 p right. of game footage and that's all i get for a, day. Me a, re- a real player I, trailer I want, of smash Bros. <laughs> I, I want us to go back to uh screenshot and text let's plays like the <laughs> introducing moving video ruined the format it was so much better when you had to like construct your own narrative based on these pieces yeah there you go well yeah hope, well that's what, what, roughly what we've been working with for the last like two or three weeks here so hopefully yeah. at least for the for our up, upstream and for like i said a couple back more the days things, man be a little bit better going forward Ugh. yeah but I um, think, um going dipping back into the uh feedback conversation again um the i think ultimately the the worst piece of feedback i've ever received on I think everything I made, but like it was specifically, uh, specifically on Wave Crash. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the festival I submitted. To. It was submitted to an indie game festival, mm-hmm. and um, the like. One of the bits of feedback from the uh, person evalu- one people evaluated it was that they had like expected the game to have um, free form movement. So for for the viewers, Wave Crash is a it's a fight it's a puzzle fighting game where your characters move around on the uh, game board, which is comprised of, you know, colorful pieces you're trying to match together. It's into, at a grid, uh, basically. Yeah, right. It's a grid of squares. And yeah, and it, it is grid-based. It's all squares. So you move in a square. Uh, think about, like, how movement works on, like, an old JRPG where you're you're locked yeah, to you're, a grid. You're moving on that uh, tile person's... by tile basis. Yeah, and, and this person's feedback was that they had expected it to be, like, a free-form movement. But, like, even if that had been what you'd expected or wanted, like, it, it's so off base from what the game actually is and you need to enter into you know any game or any piece of media you you consume based on its terms right like it, it it's the same level of like oh well i expected this should just be a fighting game where are the combos it's like well that's also you know just as off base so that that was one where like it had me scratching my head but also not i didn't feel too bad to not be included into that festival if, like right. that's yeah. kind of the perspective that they bring is like the judges are allowed to you know kind of uh uh, evaluate these games based on just whatever their first notion of what the game is. Yeah, there's be. preconceived like ideas of what games should be as well, opposed sure. to yeah. what a game is entirely. Yeah, and that's what I was I was going to segue into too, talking about um, our streaming stuff because that's a thing that I've consciously tried to do. Like as this project goes on, of us like checking out other other people's stuff things, in addition yeah. to working on things where we find the time. I have tried to be better and better about that because you're absolutely right that. The the first, the first reaction that other the first reaction that other developers give you right is usually such a deconstructive take that in many cases it isn't useful. Yeah, and I've I've tried to like, I'm trying to get in the habit of not doing that nearly as much when we, mm-hmm. <laughs> when we come across this stuff as we and as we've been covering things because yeah people like I think it's just so in people's DNA when. Like, to compare things when you're to in the mode things. of building things that like the second you put your hands on something you want to just like take it apart in reverse like you literally want to <laughs> like yeah. reverse engineer it in your mind and then like imagine you know slotting one or two p- different pieces in that uh, for whatever reason aren't there and with when you're showing it off to like lay people the the real thing you just need to grade is like 
do they want to do it more? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, are they exactly. enjoying are themselves they... or not? Like, it's not like yeah. a, yeah, it doesn't become like this. When, when the demo ends, do they feel disappointed? Do they seem like, oh, I, well, mm-hmm. I really wanted that. Uh, a game that captured that for me in their demo was um, Tunic from mm-hmm. uh, Finji, where like the end of the, the demo is basically you facing like an um, impossible boss. Um, and it just ends when like the boss hits you for like, your final hit and just like, ping, like cuts to white or whatever. And it's like Tunic coming whenever... Right. Like, oh, all right. That, that was like I wanted to try that again. Like I, I know that it was probably a hopeless fight, but I wanted to uh, <laughs> try to take them down. But it, it's something also like I did. I was technically uh, a, a college professor for like a semester nice. um, a, a, a while back. Uh, I uh, co-taught uh, game design over at uh, Lawrence Tech, um, and that was something when evaluating student projects or or editing things, we're just like trying to. Um, drill down the question like what what was your goal with this because i I think it's something Mm -hmm. people run into a lot where um they they have like a few like mechanics or themes that they think are cool and they just want to like mash those together but and that's fine that's a fine starting point that's the beginning inspiration for a lot of things but then ultimately there's the question okay but no really what what is it you're trying to create because every game ultimately it, it is like you are creating a problem for yourself and you're trying to solve it but first you have to figure out like what that that problem is like are you trying to simulate something is this is there a specific experience you're trying to make like what and until you answer those questions it can be really hard to actually um develop something like Mm -hmm. my my thinking with wave crash was i I like the like back and forth um uh like competitive aspect of fighting games but i'm just really bad at them i just don't (laughs) have that uh patience to practice a game to get better at it like i just want to play the game Mm-hmm. Uh, and with fighting games, that can only take you so far before you really have to uh, drill down on the mechanics. Yeah, for um, sure. So, I, and I really like puzzle games because they're kind of the opposite. Where like it's initially very easy to pick up, but then yeah, you do have to. There's a greater understanding of like the patterns you're trying to make and what you're trying to do. And so, trying to I uh, want to combine those aspects to make something that could um, have the head-to-head competition that I, is missing sometimes in, in, in some puzzle games. Oh, for sure. Yeah. A lot of times it's like more of a PVE rather than PVP environment in most puzzle games. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Like like in your basic like um, Tetris uh, competitive mode, like you are ultimately trying to play just optimally. Like whatever your opponent does is not super It's adding more of the generic mechanic as opposed to like an actual like assault on what you're doing. It's just adding to what you have. Like putting more to do items on your list as opposed to like changing up how you tackle that list. And if you are able to play optimally at, at, at Tetris, like um, there, there isn't a different way you're going to have to approach a different opponent. Uh, you, you can just play. And I, like, once again, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm disadvantaged because I do think it's a perfect game in its way, but I'm saying like the goals it's trying to achieve, it wasn't necessarily meant to be, you know, a, that sort of head-to-head competitive thing like that is also there as an option mm-hmm. but um it really is more about just uh playing with these like spatial awareness of the blocks and everything but for sure um, well that that kind of leads me to a question i specifically wanted to ask you about wave crash because we we, we had played it a couple weeks ago yep. like the last stream we did before our internet really <laughs> took a turn was we played wave crash for a couple hours and we had a pretty good time with it like yeah. we, de- we definitely enjoyed it uh, i we both have like a puzzly background i'm a little more mm-hmm. like into like 
And you're usually better than yeah, me at puzzle I'm, games, straight up. I like puzzle games a lot, but Dustin also likes fighting games way more than I do. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like two different sides of that Venn diagram coming yeah. together. But my question in terms of development stuff, because this is a thing we've never encountered, because everything we've ever worked on has been a single player experience. Yes. So the only variables we have to contend with are the player and the environment they interact with. And obviously when you're making a multiplayer thing, you have to account for players and against each other and you know their relative experience with games and whatever their you know Mm -hmm. skill gap might be and trying to tailor a thing for potentially a wide variety of people who have a vastly different experience with the Mm -hmm. kind of game that your game is so i was just wondering during like over the course of development and during testing uh how hard was that to to try to build a thing that was that that could cater to both like you described earlier like people in the smash community who are probably pretty hardcore about games in general and then also something like like i could see like i bet if i set my parents down you know with wave crash and gave them like 30 or 40 minutes to like figure it out i'm sure they could play it mm-hmm. uh so i was just curious in your head how that balancing act played out <laughs> at, uh and yeah. how you like got people involved in terms of testing and stuff like that so like from the design perspective uh the, the base I don't know. Some of the base ideas that came into it. Once I had the core figured out, which the the core of just you know the characters running on the board and mashing up blocks to try to each other, that came out pretty easily. Um, but then from like expanded out with like characters and figuring out like the exact specifics of of the rules and everything. Part of it was I, I always knew that I wanted to keep it pretty simple mm-hmm. uh, as far as what the the characters do. So each character they have like one sort of trait about them that differs uh, their play style versus others. Um, so, for instance, like uh, Yo, the uh, mascot character, he um, develops uh, his uh, hype meter faster, which is like your your super meter in a fighting game. Um, I want to make sure that, like, for both UI sake and just for for you know player onboarding, that uh, what a character does could be expressed uh, in like a single line or like a single text box. So, because there's one thing that you know it's it's understandable in a fighting game, they have a lot of char- stuff going on with each character, so you can't put all the info in you know a single box but for some games like and i know it's been changed uh it's been trending differently recently but wait like back in the day like when you would highlight a character on the select screen like you would know nothing about them beyond like this you know this character's e-honda he's a sumo wrestler uh, <laughs> right. and that's it like figure out the rest and now they, they've started adding in like hey this character's you know a grappler this one's uh slow this you know they'll have like traits or whatever mm-hmm. about them um this one has projectiles oh, okay I, I can understand that. Um, so I wanted to make sure that... Uh, oh, and, also, and besides the trade, they have one um, special attack that you use by uh, combining a certain number of like whatever their signature color of block is. Uh, and that's another thing where I was like, okay, yeah, I, I could do... like for a, When I was um, in like the actual you know architecture of the game, they do have like an array of super abilities. Because uh, when I was first starting out, the idea... Like the idea was okay, they could have you know multiple special abilities with like different colors or whatever. Okay. Um, but then after I developed them, I was oh they, they don't really need that. Like you don't you don't need to necessarily be worrying about uh, multiple different types of color configurations if like one special ability can be enough to give them uh, personality and differentiate them. Yeah, I like that choice too because I think yeah. it, it it avoids blinding people with science of like like it gives you like your main goal which is to throw blocks. And then your sub goal is to throw like one specific type of blocks. Like, and like, so I, I like that mentally. Yeah, I think, I think that cool plays breakdown. to the game's strengths very well. Is keeping it like unique but simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was another thing at, at first. Like, one of the ideas was you know having a resource you would spend to use your special. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, I didn't want to clutter up the UI. Like the UI, 
like besides the game board, all there is is just your each player is a special meter, and you don't have to worry about anything else. And I didn't want that's another thing I committed to where I don't want there to be like a lot of gauges because there are some games that do that. <laughs> but I do like the creativity, like in a, a Blaze Blue or a Guilty Gear, where like characters can have like a unique resource, or whatever they're trying to accumulate or mm-hmm. spend different mm-hmm. ways. And I like that, but like I feel like ultimately those games use them because they're piling on top of like years of. Of, of legacy material then they have yeah. to like differentiate in new ways they have to innovate with new characters but my game's like the first bit's kind of maybe if i make you know eight more wave crashes then i'll introduce <laughs> like weird uh this character has a giant like lucky coins and they spend lucky coins to have a chance of doing a spe- and like but in the meantime i don't need that so i don't like from for instance uh phoebe in the game uh, one of her uh, traits is uh, she doesn't get access to the normal special meter but instead she has a shield meter that she charges up uh and so it's the same that's the same screen real estate but it serves a different purpose uh and that was the reason behind this i didn't want her like if she's, she's gonna have this other uh thing she's doing i didn't want you have to like stack that on top of something else existing so just to, like streamline that i i like have uh, the shield take the place of uh, a hypermeter for sure. I think we share that sensibility in a lot of ways, yeah. honestly. Because, like, one of the things I noticed, talking about other games and, like, fighting games and stuff, one of the things I noticed when we watched a little bit of EVO this year, because I mentioned it to my other friend Brian, who he's way into fighting games. I was like, like I watched people play Guilty Gear there, and I, like, almost threw up <laughs> from the amount of, like, oh, yeah. UI stuff it that's on anxiety. the screen. Most fighting like, the amount of do. words and, like, gigantic screen-tight numbers uh. for your combo going up and shit. I was like god damn dude like you guys are they're, they're just every square inch of the screen is going to be covered in something no matter what even if it's not necessarily like in gameplay like projectiles and shit yeah. it's going to be like you did a five hit combo and that number five is like as big as both characters combined uh so that kind of stuff kind of blew me away a little bit i was like, like whoa that's I, I'm, a lot i'm just like um in in, in blaze blue there's uh susano who has like all of his specials blocked and then you have to like use other moves to unlock them. So that whole UI of like which moves are currently locked and unlocked is just displayed there. And like <laughs> it's a cool mechanic. Uh, if you're like so advanced that you require like another layer of of um, you know complexity. Uh, but I just felt like for this case it wasn't it wasn't really needed. Um, <laughs> it's something that I'd probably explore if I did a sequel. I might try to do like something to add on you know, some additional layer of differentiation for sure. the characters. And as far as for, like, you know, maintaining, like, for, um, you know, acknowledging the more intense crowd, uh, a lot of it came down to just uh, input stuff. Like, I added in, like, an input queue so you can, like, string together inputs quicker. So, like, if, if you in the game, if you press, like, up, right, up, your character will run through that series of motions. And then if you insert, like, an attack or, or swapping action in the middle, they'll also do that. And, you know, stuff like the, the basic, like, stuff people kind of assume will be there, like, controller mapping and whatnot obviously the main thing like if i you know if i had the time budget the biggest thing for like a competitor crowd would be uh, an online mode of some type but sure. for any indie game to include online is uh <laughs> is a huge event not not even just in terms of development time but in terms of like now the expectations of the lifespan of this game right like if i had for sure. to do an online mode right i now need someone to you know manage that like i need like to be able to drum up the community for it you need like community nights so people are actually online to play mm-hmm. um or just enough of good enough bots so people don't know it like it's, it's <laughs> right. a lot going on yeah yeah you're not wrong it, it's an order of complexity higher in all respects from de- development down to like oh, you said like sure. community management well, and stuff like that it's just a it's it, a hot, hard hard ticket to punch when you're one person <laughs> and i feel well i feel like for indies like the development part of it is like the simplest one because it's it's difficult for sure but like what if you can make 
smooth online, that's just good. You're set. Whereas then you have the problem of like, well, someone tries to get a match and they can't find it. And now they're telling people, like other people who might even be interested in playing locally to avoid your game. Like, right. Like, like don't yeah. get it. There's no the, big plan. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, the complaints of dead game pop up for like major releases when they dip below 10,000 players at any one time. So right. for an indie where you're lucky to get 10,000 players ever, ever yeah. um, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's the type of thing where like, I would, you know, to want to commit to that, I would need like a, a massive, you know, publisher backing who would, yeah. actually support and be able to run the thing because uh yeah right I, at that I, point or, you need like marketing with dollars behind it if you want to try to yeah yeah or, or i would need you know to be able to make enough money where like i can make that my job is to i yeah also the the demands for content like the the irony of like anytime you see a game that's like free to play like the dev costs there are so high because you need to have like a false like an endless faucet right. of content plan 12 yeah. to 24 months out of <laughs> all right every yeah, couple it, weeks like, we're gonna drop something an example for me now, like I've been playing a lot of um multiverses, and it's a it's a great game. Uh, but they're hiring for basically every position because if they want to keep the players active, they need to be doing like here's a, a new character like every two weeks, and maybe yeah. we'll do like a new game mode every month, and maybe you know like they have to be ready to develop basically a game a year forever. Like that's yeah. just the content stream for so many games is kind of insane and then thinking about scaling that down to a smaller team with no greater budget backing it is just uh yeah it's a lot that's what like a lot of my game ideas and something that I'm probably I, i'm gonna do eventually because i know like i it's one of my favorite genres is um like card games like you know multiplayer strategy games of that type in mm -hmm. general and there's some advantages there because there are still a, a expectation for content but at least the content itself is cheaper to make, you know, if, as long as you have like a good illustration team, the, like, the amount of designers and devs you need is, is pretty small. Like I, I went to a, um, I guess this was years ago, but uh, a talk from uh, the team behind uh, Clash Royale mm -hmm. and um, the actual like, like combat balancing team is essentially one guy. Wow. Like there, there's one developer who gets like the final say over like, what uh is adjusted between patches as far as balance goes and that, that to me like blew my mind that like th this game generates obviously tons of revenue and has a decade player base but like the amount of actual people involved in the creation of game content is pretty low like it, i was you have all the other you know business types and the uh the scaffolding of the company but the folks actually like making the cards uh, and telling them what to do uh, pretty little, so I think there's some definitely some advantages to to that as far and also for indie space. You know, you only need like a, a core dedicated player base really if you're if you're uh, to like sustain a card game or strategy game like that. So that's definitely something I want to uh, pursue in the future. Right on. Well, that's awesome because I was going to ask you what other things you were conceiving of maybe working on <laughs> going forward. Because I've also been thinking about card game stuff a lot. Like someday, if we get lucky enough to make a third game after we ship. Uh our little platformer sometime next year, I, I would conceive of making a card thing. But the other thing I would throw into there is the thing that I keep going back to thinking about that is, like you said, the art and stuff is, is one part of that pipeline, and then the other part is the engineering. Like, I've been thinking a lot about front-loading, like trying to, in my mind, slowly start building up, like, what kind of back-end engine would I need to build out to make it as robust as possible to where, like, if I want to make, you know... Like, I want to make, make a thing that can make, like, you know... 
tons and tons of different possible card types in a editor type setting as opposed to like doing bespoke new the chunks of code for like well if i wanted to put like the equivalent of you know flying or first strike or whatever in magic in here do you want to try to build those kind of hooks in from the start as opposed to like on a one-off basis like yeah. trying to like one at a time requisition new functionality and stuff like that that's always like the a it, in, in a way that's like an unavoidable obstacle for for games of that type because there's you can make a system that's very robust but there'll always be like that new additional somebody right somebody uh, will come up with game. one cool the, ability that like oh yeah. we really should do that but i mean even <laughs> even within like hearthstone which is the digital card game like they, there have been times when they have gone through it like then end up basically fundamentally changing the engine of the game mm-hmm. um like for I, I believe like base hearthstone the cards were pretty much represented by just their yeah. Um, their card IDs. So, like within your deck, you would have. I mean, th- this. I'm not touched. I believe this was a change they had made. Where the um. So you know, you, you have okay. This is card ID one, two, three, four, five. They're they're in your deck. So when you draw it, that's the card. But then later on, as they added abilities to like affect cards within your actual deck, they had to change that. So now the cards were individual elements that could then be modified. They weren't just like an ID to a card in the card you know right. database which which that that version works and is the better version like more efficient if you're not going to have things where like okay now all the cards in your deck they all have higher stats like mm-hmm. all, yeah. all the cards in your deck now cost less we just transform this and so like, as you add that you now have to change what a that means to have a card right for um, sure horrible curse of floating effects <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that too. I mean, even like even think about like physical card games like Magic the Gathering, right? Like the idea of uh, an emblem that says for the rest of the game, you have blank. Like that's not a thing that if you went back to like day one of Magic, that's not a thing that the rules could do. And then right. suddenly mm-hmm. like now they can. So now like it, it that's uh, the same thing with, you know, a, uh, a League of Legends type game or any of these games that have like constantly expanding. Uh, kind of like feature rule sets. sets. Yeah. Yeah. Either one, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, sure. There are definitely ways you can you can make it like easier on yourself for when you do eventually uh, have um, these more complex uh, effects or whatever. But that, that's why I like about about the genre is that, or you know, if card games in general is that like the best ones have fairly simple core rules, and then it's just whatever uh, gets added on uh, past that. For sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for card games specifically, that's always been my main complaint, especially with the stuff that's like really old at this point like that the core engine was conceived years ago like magic and pokemon and stuff like that i like i i almost wish that those games would just like whole cloth start from scratch at some point and just build up something from the ground up that's new because the it's like <laughs> it just gets bloated for magic being like basically the first trading card game you know come out in the mid 90s or whatever like the like you described the way trying to bolt on some more modern mechanics to the core of that old engine is almost like trying to put like like a modern V8 engine and like a Volkswagen, <laughs> like, like a '60s Volkswagen bus, and just expecting it to run correctly. Well, that's what, that's why I find because like, yeah, that, that's definitely a case. For, yeah, magic like the rules are pretty bloated as far as like now you know making very specific different like subtypes of cards and things like uh, sagas and then classes was like a thing that they made recently with uh, like one of the D and D theme sets or whatever. Uh, but I also think it's, it, it's fascinating that like magic did a lot of things really right considering that they invented the genre. Like they had to fix a lot of stuff for sure, mm-hmm. but like the core of the game itself, it's still, it's still pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at least still I, fun. I, I, like, like it's, yeah. you can get fun out of it. Yeah. 
I mean, I would say the biggest weaknesses were that it was made in, you know, the pre-digital age. So it's doing a lot of non-digital stuff. The, right. All the digital versions sure. have this similar weakness of, like, I do a thing and then I have to wait for you to have a chance to react. Right. Um, it's ultimately bound by the constraints of its original medium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's something that I think that the best digital strategy games, like, when it's your turn, it's just your turn. Because mm-hmm. that's how you like to play, you know, games like that. Like, you don't want to necessarily have to be, like, sitting there waiting, like, if you're playing a civilization game, you don't have to like, I'm going to build this. Wait, got to first see if they're going to try to interrupt my, my building. <laughs> right. It's like, like, no, you just said build it and they start like that. You just did your turn. That's fine. Yeah. And those transactions are, are like, you know, much more reasonable in person. Cause you just like, like, you know, in magic, I'm going to cast this card and I like, you know, tap my lands and hold up my hand. And then like the, the social react like reaction is immediate, whether they want to do something or not. And in a digital format, it's not really the same kind of thing. Yeah. So you really can't like build a thing that like, just feel too slow and too clunky to build something that is exactly like that. The cadence of action reaction. Uh, but it gets to like the, you know, in as, you know, people are really trying to push these virtual spaces, uh, the the metaverse mm. or if you will the but like there's the barriers that come up in digital interaction that you know you have to be able to either design around or just acknowledge are always going to be there and that not to say too much but like that's always been like one of the biggest things that i think it's going to just keep us from the idea of like the cyberpunk future where we're <laughs> all existing in you know outside of meat space or whatever is that like, well no there's always good things that just don't work quite right and then you're going to not, you'd rather just not do that. Like, right. You'd rather as good as, you know, a digital uh, tabletop interface for like a board game can get, like there is still, you still lose the fun of, uh, you know, just the back and forth or even just be able to like outside of the rules interrupt. So just like start yeah. some shit with your friends. Like it's, if it's all locked into like, Oh no, now it's player X's turn. So everyone else gets to just not exist for a while. Bring it on back to our dial-up internet. Let's go. <laughs> we'll stop dial this up internet, right now. Physical board games. Let's there you go. go. Like, yeah. yeah. Who needs who needs online anyway? <laughs> uh, well, that's really cool. Well, yeah. So, kind of going back to the question, although I think I may have mostly had it answered, but going forward for you, for the next thing that you are likely to work on as like a not just an update to Wavecrash or something, but a whole on new project. Do you think it is likely to be a card game of some sort, like a digital card game? Uh, honestly, I, I don't know. Like at, at the in the current place I'm in, like I'm okay with just not working on things. Like uh, for a long time, I, I thought of myself, you know, foremost as like, ah, oh, I'm a, I'm a game developer. That's just what I do. And then I, I've stopped working on games uh, outside of my day job that I spend, you know, 40 hours a week at anyway. Then <laughs> it was, oh, actually, I don't really need to. I, like I've had some stuff that I played around with for a bit, and it didn't really uh, capture my interest. But mm-hmm. like, if, if there's like another thing where I feel like I really want it to exist then i'll do that but in the meantime okay uh, yeah i mean it, it likely i've also been doing more like tabletop stuff too i've been getting really into um uh tabletop rpgs uh lately i made a, a little one that'll be coming to uh uh one of our upcoming locally sourced zines called which what was the full name just for anyone I'll else at home it. the locally sourced zine can be found on itch <laughs> itch.io yes. you can go check that out yeah, and I'm currently trying to remember what the full title of my game was. But in the meantime, uh, yeah, I know, or just like running games as well. Like I've been enjoying, uh, I've had a, a mothership campaign going for like 10 months now. And that's been a lot of fun. If anyone's not, uh, or mothership is, uh, it's like a sci-fi horror RPG. Uh, it's really good for, you know, conveying this sort of like aliens, uh, the expanse type atmosphere. Um, and 
friend or another who likes RPGs but only plays D and D, um, play other games too. That's one thing where it's like, as I've been getting into RPGs, like seeing uh, the stranglehold that D and D has, both on the market and on people's like imaginations and mm. conceptions of what a tabletop RPG is. It's 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 ridiculous. It's like okay, it's like so League of Legends is a big game, but like imagine if that's just like all people thought of when they thought of a video game. So yeah. if you try to introduce them to like a new game, they're like, but where are the creeps? Like, uh-huh. where's, How where's, do I jungle? Yeah. Like, well, okay. So what, what role am I? Am I, am I mid? And like, no, see in, in this game, uh, you're a bunch of kids who try to solve mysteries. Like, but where's my armor? It's like, well, no, you're a, you're a kid. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have armor. You're you a have, child. <laughs> you're, you're planting a farm now. It's fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And, like, just the, I don't know, if I can segue this into a bit of an RPG rant, but, like, a lot of folks also think that then, you know, uh, RPGs are going to be uh, both expensive and kind of, like, time-consuming and difficult to learn. Whereas, like, no, that's just a D&D. Like, other games don't charge you, you know, $100 for a full set of books. Like, and they don't have, like, a list of, you know, 100 possible spells your wizard could learn someday. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some games where it's like, no, this this is the book. It costs you, like, 15 or 20 bucks. Uh, you can learn how to play the game in, like, 10 or 15 minutes, and you could still play uh, an expansive storyline. Uh, in, in my Mothership campaign's case, where you're, you know, awaking alien evils and, like, overthrowing space colonies and shit, and, and it's, it's a good time. Yeah, I think that's worth pointing out because, like you said, it is very for for I think lay people. And again, I'm not a big like tabletop RPG guy in that sense, but I certainly know a lot of people who are more into those spaces. Mm-hmm. But for like people who are not even like super game savvy, like when you mention you know role playing or tabletop RPGs, you're right. They they go to like dungeons and monsters and like thick 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 manuals. Yeah. Uh, but that space, as you described, can be as as wide or as you know mm-hmm. uh, as concise as you want it to be. Like you can have a game that has that is super mechanics dense. Or you can you can make something that is a very light, you know, collection of like suggested rules that people follow and kind of just let them pick it up from there. But I do think you're absolutely correct that there's there's this pervasive attitude that tabletop stuff in that vein, by default, has to be super complicated. Yeah. Well, and my uh, game title now that I've managed to look it up is uh, uh, "Little Impish Sniveling Sexy Goblins." <laughs> um, I remember I remember you talking the... about that before. Yeah, on one of the other yeah. voice chats. Or whatever. <laughs> Those are the the four stats, and you're you're, you're little, you're impish, you're sniveling, you're sexy, and then those are you know what you roll against to do things. Um, it's just a it's made for like a little one shot thing. You're still trying to achieve whatever your goblin goals are, but I played it a few times, and it's it's been a good time. It's also weird, like as as I've been playing, um, like I don't I don't run D and D, but I've been playing a few groups. But like I thought the world I had made for my mothership campaign was kind of like bleak. Like it's basically it takes place in you know the distant future of thirty thirty. You're on like a a separate star system that's uh, basically been like cut off from earth and it's just been like capitalism run amok for a thousand years you know it's so it's like world uh, bad three yeah it's like three <laughs> companies rule the entire uh system or whatever um you know they're, they're somehow one uh, of them is still amazon <laughs> no, no of course all, all of the companies from our era have either been wiped out oh or, thank you know, god sounds like a better future <laughs> oh no oh no they got replaced by just as bad but like right, just i thought like I thought I had made a pretty, you know, bleak future or whatever, but then like every 
uh, D&D fantasy world that I've played in so far is like, oh, yeah, and this is like the Eastern territories where all the slavers are from. And it's like, what? Like, why aren't we fighting them? What are we doing? Like, what what are we doing that's more important than trying to end fantasy world slavery? What what quest do we got? Like, it's, it's so bizarre to try to, like, conceptualize. Like, oh, yeah, and these are, like, the evil, nasty orcs where they're all big brutes and we hate them. It's like, that seems... Seems can, just, can we just why? chat? Like, let's just go hang out with <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, like, why, why is there an entire uh, uh, species of humanoids that are just, yeah. like, the we're bad guys? We're just letting the slavers <laughs> exist over here yeah. while these and orcs I, we hate for some reason. <laughs> and I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I don't get, like, that, that's one thing I don't like in, in what turns away from, like, general fantasy settings like that is that so much is just taken for granted, right? You just have mm-hmm. to, you have a lot that you assume based on, uh, just tropes based on the meta knowledge yeah, yeah exactly exactly the tropes of it where it's like these are the elves they are very refined and sophisticated and they have the technology and commune with nature and they live forever and they are perfect and they don't <laughs> sleep uh and it's like well, okay well why what's how, why should i like like <laughs> right I, like i what, feel like i should be predisposed towards these naturally better than me people yeah. like yeah, why what, would i ever what complicating want... factors can i introduce to their lives mm-hmm. where <laughs> everything is working yeah. perfectly all the time okay. to make an interesting narrative i mean kind of like a slight segue off of that like um i know i've talked about this on here a handful of times i do a lot of just like freeform creative writing on my own terms and i have recently been I, i'm in the process of getting through a um a kind of like just more basic fantasy-ish story and I did like an elf subversion in that, whereas they're kind of like the shitbags. <laughs> they uh-huh. want all the power and they've gone through some really scummy ways to do it. And like the human-ish characters that they tricked, treat them as gods and all the like more fantasy races are like, oh my God, we hate these guys. They're literally terrible and they've tricked you this entire time. And I really enjoyed writing that just because of those tropes, because of this, like, oh, my God, the elves, they're perfect in all their ways. So it's like, no, they literally caused the end of the world. And now they're trying to do it again. Yeah. And, and like and that's the other thing where I feel like you know, it ends up causing players to naturally just limit the scope of what they want to do. Right. Mm. They look at like what archetypes exist and be like, OK, well, then I guess I'm going to be. How can I fit in this box yeah. that's already here or, as opposed or to just how can i purposely rebel against it which is kind of the same co- coin where it's yeah. like no i'm gonna be an orc but i'm actually smart it's like oh wow, that's great i don't know like it's something that you can't make without the fantasy trappings right without mm-hmm. being like overtly offensive right you can't be like no i'm playing against if you're, if you're playing in like a modern setting you can't play against type because like what what do you mean you're playing against type like what what you you know like we, you can't hold people to those types of um of rigid definitions the way you can and like no you know all the dwarves are industrious they like to dig but my dwarf doesn't it's like <laughs> all right i mean i don't know like, why weren't you at digging practice <laughs> <laughs> so that that's that's yeah two things i want to show is uh yeah go to Yumicon and play other role-playing games it's <laughs> also sure. like you can do them a lot quicker too because like you can just play like another game for like one night and see if you think it's it's fun i don't know like, yeah absolutely yeah we've got a handful of friends um from our alma mater who we were like hanging out with a couple months ago and they have a pretty big um tabletop group i don't know if they specifically play dnd i don't remember what they said right what systems but they do a lot of like kind of one shots like off of an engine a pre-existing engine they didn't like build it from the ground up but they're like just doing really small pocket adventures that are like tailored to like a one sitting kind of thing and it sounded like they were having a great time yeah if we ever get a 
It's it's cool that this got brought up because in a different universe where he had been available, Mike would have joined us on here too, also from Locally Sourced. Uh, but I told him that I'm going to have him on here at some point separately, mm-hmm. at least it's uh, sometime just to talk because I've always wanted to just have him chat at me for a while about all that kind of stuff because like i said we we really respect all the work you guys put in the community but i do feel i feel a little bad for mike in some respects especially because uh and you can maybe even fill in the gaps for me on this a little bit but um like i feel like his enthusiasm is way higher for a lot of stuff that most of the other people who have kind of like coalesced into the group are not working in <laughs> like he's really into like more narrative fiction stuff mm-hmm. and 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 role-playing stuff and stuff like that it seems and and a lot of the other people who have come in are working on like more traditional digital video yeah. games it seems like so like I, I i'm just really impressed that he puts in all that effort to try to like rally everybody and i want to at some point give him the forum to just like unload on me for like an hour <laughs> about all the stuff he's excited about <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's definitely big into like adventure games for sure. Uh, oh yeah, I know he he was just talking about like I think there's like a new Monkey Island or something coming out. Yeah, at some point. He's... I don't know when. Yeah, they're making, it's like yeah, soon, it's coming out pretty soon. Like, oh, like okay. uh, within like the week or something like that. I think. Oh really? I didn't know it was that imminent. Okay. Yeah, like tweeted about earlier like, today. <laughs> update graphics and whatnot. Yeah. And that is hard because like there's always the difficulty of I feel like like not that like other elements of of game dev are easy, but like there's a very specific skill you need to be able to write a narrative that for sure anyone would care about i i, I feel like in general like learning the basics of programming or you know modeling like yeah you can kind of go to school and just get, at least become get a craftsman level of mm-hmm. ability in that without any even without any like necessary passion it can be kind of like if you view it as a just a profession but yeah what, it can but, just like, be a job for sure yeah but like writing like you have to have that like the practice skill and also just the desire and some spark to do it yeah the inspiration is a huge thing for sure and like you said there's no one-to-one like even if you get an english degree or something like that there's really no no. one-to-one mapping for like Mm -hmm. that into a video game setting because just everything's a little bit different like there's technical stuff that will be different about that kind of writing the pacing of the dialogue and like the events that happen Mm -hmm. is just a whole different beast than like Um, a novel or something like that i can like trap another another recognition besides uh, playing other RPGs uh, is the um, Thirteen Sentinels, uh, Aegis Rim. Uh, it's a PS4 game which I think they also dropped it on Switch. Okay, uh, that's been like my favorite game narrative probably ever. It's a vanillaware game. They're uh, known for making the most beautiful hand-drawn, bright art that I've ever seen. Like, I think their games always look like just living anime paintings. But and. I really love that game because it was a it was a story that the structure couldn't have been told outside of video games, which I feel like a lot of times when people mention liking a video game narrative, like that's a narrative that could have been done, you know, just as a yeah, movie it, or it's, it's a, just a good narrative in a game setting as opposed to yeah. a game that is the narrative in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I personally, I know I know the games have gotten a little divisive, but I I, I like The Last of Us, uh, and. That was something that, like, they're making a show of it. And I think the show is should be good because, like, the narrative, if you just strip out the interactivity, I think it flows just as well. Yeah, right. Um, that, that is a – you're absolutely right. That In my mind, I agree that that is a game that is was written in a very, like, Hollywood film or TV kind mm-hmm. of structure as opposed like, to something different. The gameplay definitely, like, accented that. Like, it helped mm-hmm. tell the narrative. But it, oh, yeah. it, it wasn't, like – in place of it and or the other way around they work together but, but, but the then, narrative could also stand alone yeah like to go back to 13 Sentinels, like it's it's like a really convoluted story there's like 13 different characters you play as and like it jumps between their different perspectives and there's time travel involved and like every chapter has like another twist but the way they do it is like it's broken up where um 
Yeah, I'd be like, okay, so to progress for this character's story, you have to first get to like this character's like chapter two or whatever. But like beyond that, you have some freeform way to approach it, right? It's not it's not perfectly linear. You're kind of you're picking and choosing who you want to pursue, and as you jump between them, you're gaining different clues and whatnot. And like because you have to spend more mental effort to like piece it together, it makes more sense than it would have if someone had just tried to tell you this thing linearly. So if it's someone had tried to like piece it all together into like a movie it would be very complicated because you would be able to passively observe it. But because it requires you to take the initiative of which character you're going to pursue in this like visual novel structure, it makes more sense. And that to me was like the most brilliant thing. Like this was like, it's something that I, I think it's just like a masterpiece of game narrative. And it, and the narrative does stand on its own too. Like the, the characterization, their development, the actual plot line, like it's, it's very good. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, I've never, just, I've never actually heard of that specific game. I don't think I'm gonna have to check it out. At the some name point. sounds vaguely. It's, familiar it sounds familiar, but I definitely yeah. haven't played it. Oh know? no, no, mm-hmm. I have not. That's really it. neat. Um, if I mean, I don't know if we're trying to wrap this up now or how much time. Uh, yeah, get? probably pretty soon. I'm gonna, I was gonna kind of leave the floor open to you both because I know we're, you know, ah. we appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us for a little bit. Um, yeah, honestly, like, cause we, again, we can, we'd be totally happy to have you on at some other point. Again, maybe, maybe we will get you and Mike together at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about more. Uh, Nerd fiction uh, stuff, I'll community organizing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been trying. I've been trying to get him to play it too, because I'm like, listen, I don't play a lot of um, narrative adventure games, and this is one I play. Uh-huh. So uh, if you play that, then I'll right? I'll talk with you. About. Commiserate over that specific game at the very least. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Well. Uh, and, and, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, in comparison, there's Detroit Become Human, which is terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. David he should be. He should feel ashamed for what he's done. To, oh, uh-huh. that's the games. Man, what a yeah. product! I mean, all those, uh... all of them. <laughs> but I, I've read it about that one. No, that's that's fun. I, yeah. That's that's my go-to. Um, just here's what's wrong with games. <laughs> uh huh. Is people are like this is so moving because I've never read a book. Right, a hundred percent. It's like More... a game that is aware that like Blade Runner and racism exists. <laughs> like, well, good, <laughs> yeah. good job, you did it. <laughs> Congratulations. You, uh, you met the bar for the like family. creating conflict, I guess. Yep. Good you job. know what conflict is, gold star for the day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That uh, but we'll also good. punish you severely for interpret violence in that conflict. <laughs> right. Like, listen, uh... you sit down and you ask nicely to be respected, mm-hmm. and if that doesn't work, well, I guess you're out of luck. Yeah, I, I guess know. you'll just die. <laughs> I guess you'll just die. Oh, man. Yeah, well, that game is also weird for people from Detroit, too, because, yeah. like, the, it's liberal use of the, like, the space in the area is also very funny for just our yeah, purposes. We, uh-huh. <laughs> for, Ferndale has, like, a harbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really... Much, they were... my, my current town of residence, I've been all over this place. I don't see any ships. I don't know <laughs> where, where the they boats are. Yeah, I'm guessing they did most, the of their, uh, most of their location research on Google Maps. Like, or they just, like, <laughs> looked like, at a map to, like, and, like, okay, this is downtown, a name. And we're like, yeah, that's close well, enough. They, they, looked at, they looked at Michigan yeah, like, well, it's a big thing with the water. There's water, all over, there's water there. all over the place. It could be anywhere. Everywhere is on the coast. It could be right behind you. Wow. <laughs> that that um that thing. But what happens for like, considering like any country where you kind of condense it all down, even like a relatively small when, when like anime nerds think of Japan, mm-hmm. they think of it as like Tokyo, and then like the idyllic countryside, and like those are the two right places in japan like it's it's still bigger than that like it's not yeah massive in terms of scale but it's still bigger than you can conceive there's more than just that right that binary that you see it in like you know (laughs) all your anime and your video games or whatever yeah there's one city and the floodplain (laughs) Mm -hmm. well yeah like i said i don't want to um i don't want to monopolize too much your time because i know we're coming into like a full work week or whatever but here's the thing i i 
that's that's why I leave it to you cut it off because I will talk into the microphone <laughs> indefinitely. Like it's not it's not a problem. Like my my dream job is to be like the radio guy and like a fallout world where you're just like you've got your own tower and you're just, just kind of talking to literally yeah. no one or everyone you're not sure like, hey everyone in uh recent events some person's been going around killing bandit gangs that's weird anyways went to my trash last night and i want to know who <laughs> oh i need to see someone to do uh, a game where the apocalypse happened in like the you know late 90s early 2000s so that can be like cake on the radio i need someone to be like and here's a short skirt and long jacket and <laughs> it's anyways only, it's, it's a nuclear wasteland i have left so this is what you're getting 24 7 mm-hmm. all right well in that case i think i have one more question for you i was looking at because i had I'd written up a couple notes of things i specifically wanted to ask you about uh, i have one more question for you and then i'll open the floor to throw out anything else you want to like close with going going forward and then we'll call it a show because this is the other thing as i have people on like as we gradually pull more people in from the community every once in a while to talk about you know their games their background i was just curious um how did you start in game dev period like did you go to school for it was it a thing that you like knew you wanted to do for years or is it a thing you kind of fell into like what was your origin story for making games of any sort yeah um so i knew i wanted to do games since like i i was old enough to know you had to get a job someday <laughs> like so probably around like 10 uh, from playing like Super mm-hmm. Nintendo and find out that, that was the thing you could do, just making games. I went to uh, Full Sail University um, down in uh, Winter Park and for, yeah, for game dev. Um, mostly because like that that was one place where I'd seen like an ad or I don't know if it was that. It was, it was, it was like an ad slash article in UGM mm-hmm. basically. I was like, oh, that's the place to be. Like they have an actual game dev program. Like nowadays there's more options like the, like Lawrence Tech. But back then... Uh, in in 2009, uh, there weren't quite as many you know, game dev related uh, things going on. There's like DigiPen mm-hmm. uh, right, and Guildhall, yeah. uh, but then besides that, the main route would have just been go anywhere for computer science right. and try to get some games going. But yeah, I went there, um, graduated in 2011, got my first job uh, out in uh, California in Irvine, not not at Blizzard, at the other one, at a Papaya mm-hmm. Studio, uh, no longer with us, <laughs> RIP. But so I went through that and like just a few other. Just, terrible jobs first decided that i didn't want to do proper game dev anymore uh, and came back to michigan and that's you know just been going from between various uh, software studios uh, i'm at a uh, startup now uh called studio aria uh, i guess I, uh, i'll, I'll plug my day <laughs> sure. job real quick uh work on an app called fan label uh the pitch is it's like fantasy sports but okay, for yeah. music uh so you, there's like different um sort of trivia type challenges where you're trying to pick what will stream the most uh, we have a new thing now where you, we, you can like sign songs to your, your virtual label and gain points based on how many streams they get, and just trying to like find different ways to, to gamify music. So that's that's been going good. That's why I said like I haven't been doing a whole lot of indie stuff because like my, I'm like really satisfied with where my my current yeah. job and place is, uh, and I'm fine with just being like an organizer for a bit until you know something else strikes me as needing right. to be done. that's awesome well that yeah. sounds really cool like that sounds honestly and so you are you are a michigan native you you did come back home after uh, <laughs> all that stuff i was wondering that too if you if you had just like ended up here after a series of different jobs or if you had uh, kind of started out in the area and then uh yeah born in um lived here in three rivers michigan shot to three <laughs> rivers um just south of okay, kalamazoo right and then yeah down to florida for school california for, for jobs and then just just back here <laughs> uh cool. I don't know. I'll probably be here for a while. Right. A while we'll see how like it goes. You know, no promises. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my basic rule now is like, I'm just, I don't make 
decisions based on my job if I don't have to. So like if someone's going to try to get me to like, especially nowadays when now we're in like, you know, pandemic era of remote work right. being pretty, right. Expected, pretty normalized. Right? Like, pretty yeah. But if, if you're going to want me to like drive into an office, <laughs> like first off, most of the big, you know, software studios are in a place that's untenable mm-hmm. to live. Right. Like unless you want to drop like three grand a month on right. like a rent, you're going to be commuting. And it's like, so if you want me to drive like an hour back and forth to the office every day, like, <laughs> no, that's, that's not, not going to happen. Very cool. Awesome. Well, that's, that's really sweet. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to getting more people on here eventually talk about yeah. their projects or just other stuff they're doing in the community. But I wanted to say again that like Lorraine and I both really appreciate the work that, you know, Absolutely. you and Mike and everybody else is doing. <laughs> like I said, it just means a lot to like, like, I feel like Mike especially diminishes his own contribution. He feels like he's not doing enough or whatever, but, like, even just taking the time to, like, try to organize, like, an online meetup just yeah, to send out anything. a message and be like, hey, if you guys want to get online, we're doing a thing. Like, like it's a lot. That, that's the thing is my, organization and, like, most, like, quote-unquote work, it, it's just sending emails. I mean, it's it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is absolutely labor. Yeah, but it, it's just, like, it's also, yeah, but it's also, like, there's a low barrier for being, like, an organizer sometimes. We're not having to, like, we're not, you know, uh, uh, mid or like twentieth century anarchists having to like <laughs> sure. print up flyers and hand them out discreetly. Uh-huh. Like we're we're saying, like you're just sending out message. But yeah, it's been good. Hopefully, it'll keep. Yeah, fingers um, crossed. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you have any anything else you want to talk about for a minute or anything else you want to plug, again, definitely uh, uh, check the show notes again for Yumicon signups. We're interested mm-hmm. in getting more people in there. Uh, don't necessarily have to be from Michigan either. Like you obviously have to come to Detroit for the yeah. show that weekend, but. <laughs> That is one thing. We're not, we're not able to um, get the uh, uh, hotel rooms covered as they were. Yeah, which was also so like totally insane like and very expense. generous of yeah. the show. But yeah, you'll have to have, you know, you have to bring they your want, own hardware yes. and have your own housing for the weekend. Mm-hmm. But like if, you, if you're if you interested, we can make table space and or booth space available to you potentially. So yeah, check out that link in the show notes. But um, no, yeah, I don't know. Uh, everyone go play uh, Mixalumia on PC or, or, or Switch now. It's another fun okay. puzzle game. Or, or Vampire Survivors, oh, I've, which I've heard about Vampire is, Survivors. It, it, it's so good. It's three dollars. I played it for like one hundred <laughs> hours. It's just like it, it's it's good. I mean, you, you won't regret. Who has ever regretted like a, a three dollar right. purchase unless it's like their last three dollars uh-huh. in the world? Like it's fine. Like, and of course, go play Wave Crash or tell your friends to play Wave Crash or tell your uh, rich <laughs> uncle or to buy two like, dozen copies of Wave Crash. Uh, well, to, to send me a check yeah. to fund Wave there Crash you go. 2. You want Wave um, Crash 2. If you, if you know, yeah, if you know anyone who works at, like, uh, uh, a Sega uh, who would be interested in publishing some indie stuff, you know, just let, let, let them know. Right on. Very cool. Uh, well, where can people find you online uh, if they want to check you out on a more ongoing basis? Yeah, I've been inactive for a while, but I am checking on Twitter, uh, flyover underscore games. Um, also flyovergames at itch.io where you can find my stuff or I mean, yeah, that's the, good, the that's good enough two places, people can find your work, people can, you know theoretically get a hold of you if you, if you want to find me in person, come to Ferndale just check by the boat, just look around just check by the boat, I'll be wearing a <laughs> go, go to Imperial, I'm there a lot in tacos, or just go to Imperial in general, good tacos, good hot dogs nice, good stuff, well, very cool yeah, well it was a pleasure talking to you, it was yeah. a pleasure having, having you on the show um, as far as we're concerned, if again, we're always looking for new indie games to play these days. Hopefully, we'll get mm-hmm. back to a normal streaming schedule this Saturday. Thank so if you're out us. there and you've got a game that's out or a game in development you want us to check us out, want us to check out, you can hit us up at Cubicorn Games on Twitter. You can email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com. And I think that's that'll do it for this yeah. first this in, inaugural other developer show. Wow. 
Um, I'm going to preemptively call it a rousing success. Yay! <laughs> First guest. I'll, I'll be here for your, your 50th episode. <laughs> right, sounds good. We'll book you in advance. Uh, very cool. Well, thank you, Lorraine, for hanging out. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Stephen, very much again Absolutely. for taking the time out of your, you know, your night to come and chat with us for a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. Yeah, uh, and with that said, uh, we will call it a show. Uh, have a good couple of weeks, Internet, and we'll see you next time.